Let's pray. Father, make us a thankful people. We come into your presence on especially this weekend, and we're thankful for those who have given so much, who've stood up and been counted, that we might speak up without losing our head, that we might be free. Father, as we come into your presence, you know everybody in this place, and you know the stuff that's hard and sleepless nights. Sometimes, Father, we can handle it in the morning, but at night, we wonder if you went on vacation. Father, there's the loss, nobody to wind the clocks anymore. Father, the laughter that we used to look forward to has been stilled. Father, you know the man who lost his job and the one who screwed it up really bad this week. Father, we come into your presence because you know us and you're sufficient for every need. Come yourself. And may we hear the soft sound of sandaled feet. And then as always, Father, we pray for the one who teaches. Forgive him his sins because there are many. We would see Jesus and him only and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This morning is the first of two teaching sessions on one of the most beloved, best known, and most taught texts in the entire Bible, the story of the prodigal son. This Sunday, I'm gonna talk about the young son. Next time I'm here, we're going to talk about the older brother, assuming I don't offend so many of you today that I don't get invited back. Try to remember that I've had a heart attack, okay? You know the story. I don't even have to tell it. He was young, and young people sometimes do this. He was waiting for his father to die so he could get the stuff, and his father just wouldn't die. So he went to his father and said, I've waited long enough. I've got to find myself. Why don't you give me what you would give me when you die? And I'll go and invest it and, and become whatever I'm supposed to become. And that father did it. Can you believe that? He wouldn't have gotten a dime of my money. But the father knew. The father knew that love that's forced isn't love. So he gave him the money, and the boy left. Party life, debauchery, he wasted it with whores and parties and bad investments, and then he didn't have any money left, and he went to a pig farm. Now, that's bad enough for us, but if you're Jewish and you're working for a pig farmer, you're doing bad. It doesn't get any worse than that. And then he didn't have any food. So he's eating the food they're giving the pigs. And all of a sudden, he has an attack of sanity. And he says, my father's servants are doing better than I am. So I'm going home. And I just pray my father will receive me. And so with his confession on his lips and the tears in his eyes and the thought of what it had been like at the pig farm, the kid makes his way home. And, uh, 
And to his amazement, his father, and Jewish fathers don't do that, ran out to meet his son. If you haven't seen Rembrandt's The Return of the Prodigal, or I have a painting in my study at home of the prodigal coming home and kneeling before his father and his father's picking him up off his knees. And he said, Father, I've sinned again. Be will I'm finished. He said, bring a ring. Put it on my son's finger and these clothes stink. Bring a new robe, put it on my son. Kill a fatted calf. We're going to get down. We're going to party because my son was lost and he's found. He was dead. And he's a wonderful story. I just, just love it. Now, let me read the last part of the story to you. It's from the 15th chapter of Luke, and I'm going to start at the 25th, 25th verse. Now, his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many days and years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead, and he is alive. He was lost, and he is found. Now, before we spend some time with the young son, I want to go down a side road. And I want you to note from this text the universality of human sin and human need. Everybody. Jesus had a great opportunity at this point, didn't he? He could have lifted up the older brother as an example of faithfulness. I would have done that. I'm a preacher and I'm looking for heroes and illustrations. Jesus could have said, look how he did it. And you can do it the same way because he was faithful. And yet that's not what's going on here. In fact, this story is not about the boy who spent the time with the pigs. The story is directed to the scribes and Pharisees at the beginning of the chapter, and Jesus is talking about the older brother, the one who was doing it right. Did you hear about the rooster that found an eagle's egg, kicked it into the chicken coop and, and said, now, ladies, I don't want you to think I'm complaining, but I wanted you to see what the competition is doing. Her name's Sarita, and she's, she's been my friend longer than any other friend that I have. And I love Sarita. Sarita, and I've been her friend longer than any other friend she has, and we're still friends. 
Uh, we took baths together as babies. Our mothers were best friends. And uh, we spend time together now. And I love her and she loves me. My wife loves her. And, but, but every time I see her, I get irritated. Do you know why? Because of her report card, that's why. Did you have friends? Maybe you were one of them. May you get the hives. Did you have friends who, uh, who, who after a test, they would say, I don't think I did very good. It's just awful. Then they get their paper back. They got an A+. Plus and you barely got by. Well, that's Sarita. She always made, she's perfect. She always made A's on her report card. I remember coming home one time and she's in the living, she beat me there. She's in the living room with my mother and her mother and they're telling her how wonderful she is because she made straight A's. And I'm looking at my report card and thinking I'm history. I'll give my bicycle to my little brother. And then I, then I go in. I, and I heard it a thousand times from my mother. Why can't you be like Sarita? And I've heard that all my life. Why can't you preach like so? Why can't you be, be Why do you say things that irritate people so much? Why do you have to be so mean? Why don't you? And I know that. I'm, I've got examples of people that are good and I'm not. I know that. Randy's one of them. Every time Randy says, may God forgive our sins, we think he's the exception. When I say, when I say, Lord, forgive the one who preaches his sins, every one of you say, Dog, doggone right. He, I don't even know how you can, we, I know that. I've got heroes all over the place. And Jesus could have done it here, but he didn't. Why do you think that? Because the incarnation erased the line between us and them. I interviewed uh, Tony Jones this week. He's part of the emergent church. Um, he's written a book called Letters from the Edge. That's a weird bunch. I think they're asking the right questions. They just don't have any answers because <laughs> they've set aside the truth. And so, uh, and I like Tony, Brian McLaren. I, my, he's an acquaintance of mine. I've interviewed him two or three times. And I keep telling him he's invented a new religion and the old one would be fine. But they don't buy into that. Anyway, I was interviewing Tony Jones and R.C. Sproul and Al Mohler and Ravi Zacharias. We had sound bites of them critiquing the emerging church. And what they were saying was very true, just a little bit uptight. And uh, so, so we played a soundbite from R.C. Sproul. And I said, Tony, what you think about that? Tony said, I think he needs a hug. <laughs> and I said, yeah, he does. And so do I. And so do you because we're all needy. Some of us fake it better, kind of like the old, and, and uh, next time I'm here, we're gonna meet the older brother. I'm the worst Pharisee I know. We're gonna, we're gonna meet him, but Jesus took pains to say, you remember when the sons of thunder came to Jesus and said, when, when, when you win this battle, when everything's settled, and you're ruling as the man, we wanna be close, one on the right and one on the left. And Jesus winced and called his disciples to him, and he said, that's what the pagans do. You don't do that. 
Because if you're going to be first, you've got to be last. If you're going to be the man, you've got to be the servant. Grace always runs downhill. You all are needy. You all are sinful. And don't let anybody tell you different. Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees. What a crazy statement. They were the most righteous people around. What was Jesus doing? And we still don't get it. Jesus was saying, you're screwed up, okay? You're needy, you okay? You need a hug, okay? All of us, every one of us. Well, enough about that. I don't party well, but I, but I like to go to parties and watch others. I've got this adult child thing going on me, so I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to dance without looking at my feet or sing without thinking everybody's looking at me. I don't know how to do that. I want to, but I love to go to parties and watch other people because I vicariously get the joy they get from getting down and partying. And I would have liked to have gone to this party at the farmhouse. They would have had a country band and barbecue and, and the best wine you can possibly imagine. I wish I could have gone to that party. I'd sit off to the side and watch and rejoice in the joy of those people who are welcoming home a prodigal. And then the band would take a break, five minutes every hour. And I would, as I often do, go outside and smoke my pipe. And maybe, maybe that young man would, would come out and he'd say, Mr. Your Pipe smells good. And I'd say, well, it ought to. It's expensive tobacco. I'd say, son, that's quite a party. He said, isn't it? Isn't it, isn't it great? Isn't it cool? And I said, yeah. I said, your, I'd say, your father really loves you. And he would say, you have no idea. I thought I was going to be sleeping with the servants tonight, and I'm, and I'm having a party. And I think, uh, I think I'd say to him, son, would you mind if I gave you some advice? When you're young and your legs have been broken and you've screwed up your life, and you've been eating pig's food, and then somebody picked you up, you listen, even to old guys. And he'd say, yeah, I'd listen. I said, son, let me tell you something. Don't forget the pigs. And he would say, I won't. I How could I forget? I said, yes, you will. You'll forget the pigs. You know, things are going to be hard when you get into the fields tomorrow. This is not an easy job you have. And you're going to remember the women and the booze and the parties. But don't, don't forget the pigs. I was in commercial broadcasting one time. You know, the devil pays a lot more money than the Lord does. Frankly, it's more fun. Making a lot of money. I was living in a little, a little peninsula. I was working, doing a morning show in Boston and, and uh, living in Hull, Massachusetts. People get mad and say, Steve, go to Hull. And, uh, and uh, I had everything. I had an, I have, still have the same beautiful wife, had a baby on the way. I mean, making money. I'm doing the morning slot. That's the high-paid, high-visibility slot. 
in one of the largest markets in America, and I'm in my 20s. I'm doing so good. I can see the ocean on one side and the bay on the other in my apartment. I remember walking up to the stoop of that apartment, standing there and weeping with great sorrow and pathos because I was so empty, so guilty, so afraid. I interviewed Eduardo. He's the star of Bella. If you haven't seen that movie, you ought to see it. It's winning awards everywhere from pagans. Thank God they didn't do a Christian movie. They did a movie that gave honor to God. And, uh, and Eduardo, did you see him interviewed on the Today Show? That's so cool. Now, I'm not into guys, but he's hot. I mean, they, they I, you know, the ladies were just fainting when they got on. And, and, he, and I was so impressed, I decided I'd like to have him on our, our talk show. So I got our producer to get him, and, and he, he's, he's a Mexican. He, he looks like a Greek god, and he has this kind of built-in humility and honor of God that is, that is so good. And I said, Eduardo, what happened to you? He said, man, I caught a rabbit. I said, you caught the rabbit? He said, you ever been to, you ever seen the greyhound races? Did you know that the rabbit those greyhounds chase is a fake one? It's steel covered with velvet. And if a dog catches it, he breaks his teeth, messes up his nose, breaks his bones, and he never races again. And I said, uh-huh. And he said, I caught the rabbit. <laughs> and he did. He was making money. And if, uh, if you see that movie, it'll blow you away. Wonderful actor, on the rise, had everything that anybody could want. And he said, I caught the rabbit and I was so miserable. And he decided he was going to go to the Amazon as a missionary. And thank God there were people around him who said, no, you don't. You be faithful in the place where God has put you. And on that Today interview, he knows he's good. He looks in the mirror. I know I'm ugly. I look in the mirror too. I know. <laughs> he knows that. So he didn't do this fake, oh, I'm not, humility thing. He's just so cool. He knew. And he didn't, and he was so clear in the way he was honoring God with his life. And I said to him, Eduardo, don't shilly shally. Don't remember that rabbit or I'll come back get you. So I'd say to him, son, don't forget the pigs. You don't think you will because you still remember the pain, but the further you get away from it, the more you'll forget it. Do you remember where Jesus found you? It's easy to forget, isn't it? Ask him to remind you of how empty you were and afraid. Nothing was working out and you didn't have any cause. Don't forget the pigs. And I'd, I'd say to him, just when he wanted to go back in, son, come back here. I got other things. I'm a preacher. And I'd say to him, son, don't forget the pigs, but don't forget the party either. You know, most fathers, Jewish fathers, would have had a prayer service, sacrificed a lamb, gone to the synagogue, maybe even the temple and done something religious. But you've got a father who threw a party. How about that? And he would say, yeah, that is good. That's cool. The God of the party. Do, do you know what you get if you uh, mix uh, 
If you cross a cow and a duck, you get milk and quackers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've got grandchildren. I can't help. I, I, do you need, I can't believe I'm doing this, and you can't either. You know what you get if you cross an octopus and a cow? You get a farm animal that can milk herself. <laughs> do, you, do you know what you get if you cross a four-leaf clover and poison ivy? You get a rash of good luck. <laughs> I'm sorry. One more. <laughs> do you know what you get if you cross a Presbyterian and a stone? Nothing, it's the same thing. <laughs> Somebody sent me a book this week, and I'm going to try the interview. And, and you know what the title of the book is? How to Teach a Calvinist to Dance. <laughs> We're going to go to General Assembly this summer, and we have executives of our denomination in this congregation in every service, and they're probably not going to speak to me, but that is not a fun place. Uh, Randy was there last, last year and acquitted himself so well in explaining what happens in the worship at Perimeter, and it was so good. And, uh, and it's not I don't like those guys. I love those guys. I just can't tell you how much I love them. It's not that I don't like PCA. I love peace. I am so glad I'm a part of this denomination. I can't, I can't tell you. It's just they're so serious. They're like serial killers with the Bible. And, and, and it's kind of, yeah, that's, not, that's not God. Jesus went to pain to show us the kind of God who really is, the God who laughs, who never condemns, the God of the party. All the Old Testament religious events were parties. They were celebrations, and they told you God was mad. They told you God was a mean guy in the sky with lightning. He's going to cut off your legs. You get in. You do something bad. You better, do, you better be good. They lied to us. That's not the God of God's people. He's a God who throws a party and who is not angry and who is kind. So I'd say... Son, uh, don't forget the pigs. Don't forget the party. And don't forget who brought you to the party. This is really your fault. You don't have any money. You blew it. This is your father's party. It's about you. It's not about you. It's about him. He throws the party. Reggie Kidd is a uh, colleague of mine, PhD in, in Duke. We teach a course together. He was preaching it at my church uh, where I'm a member in uh, Orlando last Sunday. And he was talking about his guitar. And I remember when he got this 12-string guitar, I said, Reggie, God's going to destroy it if you don't stop worshiping it. And he spent a lot of money. I used to tell him he put a candle on each morning on, one, on each side of the guitar, knelt down and had his morning devotions. <laughs> but he was talking about his guitar, and he said, I love that guitar. He said, and every year it gets more valuable just as Jesus did. When I first met him, I didn't have to go to hell anymore, and I thought that was so cool. But it's so much more than that. He said, I've been loved, I've been accepted, and I've found meaning in my life, and every year it gets deeper, and it gets more profound. And then I think he was surprised he even said it, because PhDs at Duke don't say things like that. He just stopped, and he said, our God rocks. 
And then he said, you're God's son. Don't. (laughs) He's right. I mean, I don't know why I do this. I, uh, I, I so often want to run. I really do. I'm so religious. I make myself sick. I'm so phony. Drives me nuts. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I don't want to read the Bible or pray or witness on an airplane. What's with that? Put me by Christians so when I start screaming when we're in trouble, I don't bring shame on Christ. I, I don't. I don't. But I'm faithful. You know why? You say, yeah, because you lose your job. That would be a gift. That isn't a reason. I'm, you know why I'm faithful? Because I never had anybody love me that way. <laughs> and if I did nothing to respond, nothing, he'd still love me that way. I never had anybody forgive me that way. And if I, if I went out and did the very thing I was forgiven by the next minute, he would still forgive me. How about that? And, I never, and I've never had the kind of acceptance that he's given me. I'm out of the box. I struggle with this. And he likes me better than he likes you. What's with that? And I can't help but being drawn to that and, and want to serve him. Want to be, I'm a cynic. I've had so many heroes fall. I just can't tell you. I had a friend say 25 years ago, Steve, I don't know where you're going to be in 25 years, but you're going to be waving a flag for something or somebody or some cause. Well, I'm not. I put my my flag down because they're all turkeys. They're all shallow. They're all into manipulation. They're all into power. They're all getting what they can get for number one, except, except Jesus. And I found one who is worthy of everything I've got. And I'll run to him every time. And I'll love him every time. Because our God rocks and your God stink. And I'd, I wouldn't say it that way to the son. I got carried away there for a minute. I'd, I'd say, son, d- don't forget your father. He loves you a lot. You make sure you love him well. And, and then just when he's going, I said, I've got one more thing, and I'm going to let you go. And I'd say, son, don't forget the pigs. Don't forget the party. Don't forget who brought you to the party. But, son, don't forget when the party's over. You can't party all the time. You, you got to go back in the fields tomorrow. You've grown soft. You don't have any calluses on your hands. And your back's going to hurt. And it's going to get hot. And the mules won't move it. You're going to get out. Tomorrow you, gotta, you can't party all the time. But you don't. Son, don't forget the taste of the wine. I might teach him Polly Bergen's The Party's Over. The Party's Over, call it a day. They've burst your pretty balloon, taken the moon away. Now it's time to wake up. All dreams must end. Take off your makeup. It's over, my friend. The party's over. 
But I'd say more than that. And I'd say, don't forget the smell of the food and the sound of the band and the laughter of the people and the taste and the taste of the wine. When you do what I do and you, and you teach grace and that God's a lot different than what people say and you have a tendency, if you're not careful, to be superficial. And I don't ever want to be that way. I've got a student who two weeks ago found out he has Lou Gehrig's disease and he's going to die. He's the father. And his father died of Lou Gehrig's disease. And, he, and, his, uh, and his son's got leukemia. And he's not responding to the chemo. What's with that? And the Chapman family. Oh, my. And... Remember I told you to pray for Jeff, who's got HIV? And so many of you come, come to me and say, I'm praying for your gay guy, friend. I wish you wouldn't say that too loud in certain places. I need this job. When you say, I'm praying for your gay friend, it's kind of like my significant other. And, and, uh, but I love him, and I'm straight. And he hurts so much, and so many of you have been praying for him, and I appreciate that more. This week, he got some blood tests back. And, and for the first time, it's turned around, and he's looking better, and that's you guys. But he's gone, he's gone through, uh, through so much. I know what you've gone through. The pain that's in this place, the loss. I don't want to be superficial. Life is not for sissies. It's hard. It, it really is hard. I know that. But listen to me. Don't forget the pigs. But don't forget the taste of the wine when you were forgiven, when you were free. And don't doubt in the dark what happened at the party. Don't forget the taste of the wine. Did you hear about the man who went to his 25th high school reunion? You ever hear I do something like that? You sell everything you own because Jesus is coming back. We went to his 25th high school reunion he and his wife, and he was sitting at a table at dinner and he looked over to another table and there was a woman who was plastered. She's drunk out of her mind. And he kept looking at her and his wife noticed and said, do you know her? And he said, yes, honey, I do. She, uh, I used to date her. She, she was my girlfriend. And they told me the day that I broke up with her, she started drinking and she hasn't been sober since. And his wife said, my, that's a long time to celebrate. <laughs> you can't celebrate forever because parties got to come to the end. Got to come down from the mountain into the valley. You got to get out into the fields. And I know that's hard. But remember the taste of the wine. And if you listen to what I taught you this morning, you'll think of another time and another place and another party. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And it's forever. You think about that. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message was a reminder that God's not mad at you. For more free and freeing sermons and articles like this, be sure to check out the rest of the app or visit us at keylife.org.